0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Good morning, and again, thank you so much for joining us for Glory Church Online. Uh, My name is Greg McKinney. For those of you who do not know me, uh, my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. She was that beautiful lady who uh, you saw earlier on in the service. Um, But we are honored that you would join us. Um, For those of you who have been with us for a while, thank you for joining in. uh, Whether you're watching on our online portal or on Facebook, again, thank you so much Uh, It is a crazy day, let me tell you, for the Glory family watching this, this day marks our sixth online service. And if you know anything about Glory Church, those who've been with us since the beginning, we actually made it to six weeks of in-person services before quarantine happened. And so, yeah, for those who are new, uh, we are a new church. We are brand new uh, to Kansas City, to the, the downtown, midtown area, and we made it six weeks before we had to go fully online as a church, which means uh, when we are able to be back together, we will have had more online services than in-person services, which just blows my mind that we're able to do this. But Glory Church family, uh, week in and week out, Kate and I miss you. From the bottom of our hearts, we miss you. We've been caring about you, thinking about you, praying for you uh, so much, and we miss you. We have a hunger to be with you guys again. So uh, if you've been with us at all, you know that this is week two of a brand new series that we started last week. And over the course of these past few days on social media, we have been providing daily devotions as well as prayers that that get you deeper into the text that we're talking about on Sundays. And so I just want to shout out again, those uh, who have been on the writing team at Declare Glory, follow that account. Uh, We have a team of people who are writing devotions and prayers that go along with Sunday morning's messages to get you deeper into God's word. And so thank you for those of you who've been a part of it. And if you haven't, join us this week as we dive into more of chapter one of Philippians starting tomorrow, Monday. And so if you've also followed us, you saw that we did this community engagement challenge on Wednesday, I think, where uh, we just challenged you to love on a neighbor or a fellow church member by uh, dropping off flowers, a gift basket, a gift card, a baked goods, whatever, an encouraging note to a neighbor or a fellow church member to just say that you love them. So if you did not do that challenge, don't worry. You can still do so today. Get out and do it. Um, but that's just one little activity, a part of our weekly resources that we put out um, for our people, for you. I don't know if you knew this, but every week we, we fill our website with resources designed for your context, whether you're a single person, uh, whether you're a married couple, or whether you have a, have a family and you're parenting, and we're trying to figure out how to do this. Those are designed to get you thankful. Uh, to get you engaging in ways like never before, and to get you still growing in your faith. And that is my hope and prayer this morning. uh, We are continuing in that wonderful topic of suffering. If you were with us at all last week, uh, you know that the whole book of Philippians sort of helps us discover how suffering can meet joy. And that's my hope as we get into it this morning. If you missed last week, you can always check it out at Apple Podcasts on our website, but this morning we're carrying on that series, that theme of suffering, and not just a blanket term suffering this morning. No, I want to get into the nitty-gritty, that real-life painful wound that I face and that you face. Call it as it is suffering. Let's just not do that blanket term, but in fact, right now where you are, start naming in your mind already what your current suffering is, that current heartache, because that's What we're talking about today, this morning, the wounds that we're going to be revealing, the chains that demand our attention is those. Because if you remember from last week or any time you read any devotion from this week over Philippians, you will recall that Paul, the writer of this book, is in a stage, a season of suffering in his own. He is found right now in a Roman prison writing a letter to a church that he loves in Philippi. And these are the words. And so uh, we can sit in that and just say, oh, he is suffering in jail. But I will tell you that that doesn't even, what his experience is right now in prison as he's writing this, does not even scratch the surface of the level of pain, suffering, and heartache that this man endured. He is a man of suffering. In fact, if you can remember anything about his story, early on in Acts, his name was not Paul, it was Saul. And before God ever got a hold of his heart, Saul was a murderer. He murdered families, he separated parents from their kids and would stone them uh, because he was on this mission of purging the world from Christians, from people who followed Jesus, who followed, in his opinion, a heresy, this false religion. And then he had a literal come to Jesus moment on the road to Damascus. You know the story? And he, he was blinded by a light. And then God appears to this man named Ananias and tells Ananias to go to Paul to go to Paul. And what we overlook in in Acts 9 as we read about Paul's conversion from Saul to Paul is this conversation that God has with Ananias, where Ananias says, but God, he is a murderer. You don't know like all the pain that he's caused in our world. And God's like, yes, I do know. And this is what God speaks to Ananias. And I think it will set us up with a clarity of who Paul is. God says this, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name to the Gentiles and kings and before all the people of Israel. And get this, he says, I myself, God himself, will show Paul how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. He is a man of suffering, and God is now claiming that he is going to suffer for the sake of his name, of God's name. And then in 2 Corinthians, which is a beautiful book, in 2 Corinthians, Paul sort of gives us a glimpse at some of his trials. And I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to paraphrase and I'm going to hit the points because it's a lot. He says on more than one occasion, he was in prison, that he has been uh, experienced countless floggings, often to the, the point of death. Five times, he says he, was, he had received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times, he was beaten with rods. Once, he received a stoning. Paul was stoned. You don't get up alive from being stoned. And three times he was shipwrecked for a night. He was adrift at sea, lost. He's been in danger from Gentiles, in danger from his people, in danger from bandits. He said he was in danger from uh, his own people, betrayed and tossed and lost, in danger in the wilderness. He's in danger from false brothers and sisters. He's been in toil and hardship. He said he's had sleepless nights. He's been hungry and thirsty. He's been cold. He's been taken all of his clothes and left naked. And then he says, and besides all of these other things, I have the daily pressures and anxieties of being a leader, a pastor. For all the churches that I've planted and all the ones to come, this man knew suffering. And I say that to you this morning, I start off with that understanding of who Paul is because uh, he has more than enough credibility to teach us about suffering. He has more than enough credibility. It's like that moment I've, I've learned and heard over and over sermons and lessons on forgiveness. But I can remember that day as I sat in an audience and heard a Holocaust victim recount her story of pain and, and tribulation and trials. And then to hear that what was worse was the bitterness and unforgiveness that imprisoned her for the years to follow. And and I remember hearing as she discovered one day the power of forgiveness and, and did it. And like never before, it clicked in my mind because there's something powerful that happens when we hear stories of lessons learned in a suffering, in a time of suffering. And there is so much depth. To Paul's words here. He's not just a man locked in prison. He's a man who knew suffering. He's a man who knew pain. He's a man whose bones ached so many days of his life, and this is what he says. We're going to pick up in verse 12 of chapter 1 of Philippians. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, what has happened to me both now and everything before it, has really served to advance the gospel so that now it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, he says, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly than ever before. And he continues, but I want to get to an address that he has specifically to his readers. And as I read it, I want you to remember what God spoke to Ananias about the character, the life, the journey that Paul was about to take. Because now Paul's about to bring this same thing into you into my life. He says this, for it has been granted to you. Verse 29, it has been granted. That word granted, it means it has been a grace upon you, a forgiven grace that the moment you accepted Christ to be your Lord and Savior, that the moment I said, Jesus, I need you, a grace was bestowed upon my life and it was a grace. He says, this is what it was, that on behalf of Christ, not only for you to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. It is a forgiven grace that we suffer for him. In other words, uh, suffering is inevitable, right? Like you cannot find someone who has not suffered. In fact, if you claim to not know suffering, I will call you a liar, right? That is the experience that, that unites every human one by one by one is suffering. It's inevitable. But what we know to be true is that often suffering is at, the, is at the sake of more suffering. It grows upon itself that we suffer for the sake of suffering. And sometimes it feels like that. We think, what is the point of this? And in fact, alone, without God, there is no point to suffering. It just leads to more suffering, but it is our forgiven grace. It has been granted upon you, upon me, to now suffer for the sake of something more. Than suffering. And in fact, we get to suffer for the sake of the Almighty God, for His name to be known, for His glory to be on display, for His name to be heard and seen and proclaimed. We get to suffer for His sake. That is our forgiven grace. So if you're taking notes this morning, we have been theming this whole series where suffering meets joy. And this morning, this text shows us that suffering meets joy. When it is positioned for Christ. That when we are to suffer for Christ, that means we are positioning, directing every thought, every emotion, every memory, every feeling, and we're choosing to bend it, to, to direct it, to funnel it to the position of Christ's glory that we're not going to let it run out. We're not going to let it free fly and in various directions of emotions and reactions, but we're narrowing it and positioning it for His glory. That's how we watch and experience a suffering that turns to joy, a suffering that, that flourishes with peace, because in Him, we've been granted to suffer for His sake, though, for His sake. I don't know why, though, um, suffering has to happen. Sometimes we, we struggle to know this. And in fact, I don't know why uh, when I was in high school, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. I don't know why I had to watch her suffer. I don't know why I had to suffer when she passed away as a senior. I don't know why I get plagued with such grief as I, as I experience life stages without her, where she couldn't be at my wedding, where she couldn't hold our newborns each time they came, where she couldn't be there. I don't know why. I don't know why almost two years ago now a man broke into our home. I don't know why I ended up in the hospital because of it. I don't know why those things had to happen. I don't know why uh, an amount, a huge amount of fear had to get plagued over our home. I don't know why we had to struggle with so much grief and doubt and worry. But what I do know is that consistently as I have allowed my thoughts, my memories, my emotions to be positioned and directed and designated and reserved for Christ's glory, something powerful has happened. That I've had conversations about my mom's death that have led to life change. That I have been able to get on people's level because I've allowed those, those sufferings to be pointed to the direction of something more than more suffering. I remember... The Wednesday night youth group, I was a youth pastor at the time, after our house was broken into and I was on crutches, I remember talking about the tension in my life of managing fear and faith, the tension in my life of believing at times that evil was more powerful than good. And as I worked through that, 13 people, 13 students that night gave their life to Jesus. That is because when we suffer and we position it, for God's glory, joy, it erupts in our soul and lives begin to be changed because of it. I don't know why you had to experience abuse. I don't know why divorce is in your past. I don't know why you've been betrayed. I don't know why addiction has claimed you for years. I don't know why. You're in your current struggle, why you lost your job. I don't know why this season of suffering is upon you. But what I do know is that when we as, as believers believe that it is our grace to now not only suffer for the sake of suffering, but to suffer for the sake of his glory. And we begin to position every thought, every memory, every emotion. And, and we, like Paul says, we capture it. And we bend it and and submit it to God and we let it be focused for his glory, that joy becomes our anthem. I do know that. But I also know that so many times when I have taken the grief that I was experiencing and put a lid on it. I've tucked it far away in the back corner of my soul because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't think it was worth it, worth the time. I didn't want other people to know about it. I was worried that it would, would sp- spiral me down into somewhere else. And so I, I captured it and hid it. That is not allowing suffering to transform to joy. That is allowing suffering to turn to bitterness, to neglect, to an absence of growth. That that halts our ability to grieve. And I've done it so often, so I have a question for you. Where are you positioning your suffering right now? Is it for the sake of God's glory? Is it right now positioned and directed and designated? Is it reserved for God's glory? Or is it running freely on its own? Is it running freely on its own, often at the expense of your family, right? Is every one of your emotions and actions and reactions running freely in your suffering? Are you not sowing tears of faith, but sowing tears of bitterness? And often that is at the expense of those closest to us. Or like me right now, do you position your suffering in a faraway corner only to be teared and and brought up and cried through in a shower? where no one can see it, no one knows the depth of it, and then you put on this fake smile and fake courage, and you're never met by a community and touched by the healer. Goodness, I've been there so many times. But as we position our suffering, for the, the glory of God, for the sake of his name, something happens. I think of it like guardrails being being issued in our souls, guardrails that, that do not let us go down that, that rabbit trail, leading to more insecurity, leading to that, that unwanted and unwarranted grief, that bitter grief. These are guardrails to protect us from self-deprecation, guardrails to protect our memories from fear Transforming it and shading it. No, our memories, they are going to be designated. There's guardrails put in place where they're trailing down a journey, a road to God's glory. These thoughts, they're going to be guardrailed. These emotions, my my actions, they're gonna be guardrailed. This is how we position our suffering for the sake of God's glory. So I'll ask again, how are you positioning it now? Paul is convinced of something. He's writing to the Philippians and he's convinced. He's convinced that his present suffering serves a greater purpose, that it serves a greater purpose. It does not serve the purpose or the agenda of sin. He's not allowing his suffering to serve the agenda of the enemy. He, the enemy will not have a foothold in his suffering. It's serving an agenda of hope. In fact, the words that he says, he says, my suffering, I'm convinced that it is serving to advance the gospel. It is serving to advance the gospel. So I just wanna ask, how can our suffering advance the gospel? Well, I'll tell you, it is not by my go-to mantra at times. I, I, I wanna say this before we get on because what I am not saying or what Paul is not saying is that we should neglect our suffering, that we should downcast it, that we should downgrade it. He's not neglecting the hours of mourning that is necessary for grief. Paul and I are not trying to glitter up our suffering. He's not saying, like I say many times, it's not as bad as it seems. Uh, right? If you know me at all, I, I, some, I sometimes like to tell myself, Hey, Greg, it's not as bad as it seems. Or I like to tell my wife, Kate, it's not as bad as it seems. And what we do in trying to do that, we just set our, um, our suffering to the side and try to manage it. That's not what Paul is doing. And that's not how we can position it for God's glory. Paul is not discounting his suffering because it is as bad as it seems. He is in jail. He has been beaten. He has been stoned. He has bled. He has been betrayed. It is as bad as it seems. But it's because it is bad. It is because he's owning his suffering that the advancement of the gospel is made because he is owning his chains, yet still praising in the chains. Does that make sense? He is owning the chains. He is, he's showcasing this is as bad as it seems, yet he's still praising a God amidst the suffering. And that is why the advancement of the gospel is happening in and around him and through him, because he's owning it. He's owning the chains. What are you yet still doing? What are you yet still doing? That's the guardrails put in place. That, I, that I'm not letting this thought leave praise. I'm, I'm not letting this thought get so far away that I neglect praise. I'm not letting this memory trail me down where I'm neglecting praise. I'm going to yet still... Praise. And I love it because something powerful happens as we do this. Paul says that it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that he is in chains for Christ. And then he says, and it has been powerful because the brothers and sisters all around me, they have been given courage And that their faith has become more courageous and more bold and without fear than ever before because Paul is doing something amazing and he's trying to teach us this as well. That when our chains are owned, when we uh, position them for God's glory, when we designate them and reserve them for him, when we put up those guardrails, when our chains are owned, they bring clarity to some and courage to others. They bring clarity to some. Glory Church, I could speak over this for hours. I, I could, because the power of your current suffering is that when you position it for the glory of God, the people around you are gonna are beginning to get clarity on their life. That there are some messed up worldviews of the people around us. But it's as we suffer for the sake of God's glory that they begin to ask questions that break the foundations of life as they know it. Because Being far from God, they cannot fathom a suffering that is leading to joy. But what happens as we own our chains, as clarity comes to them and these guards, these Roman guards are beginning to ask questions that they would have never asked. They're beginning to think thoughts. They're beginning to have images in their mind. They're literally seeing something that they've never been exposed to by Paul's praise. And this is the same thing that can happen and I believe is happening through your suffering, that people are gaining clarity. They're beginning to ask deeper questions because they see Jesus at work amidst your suffering. They're beginning to see a picture of God's church that they've never had before. And in fact, maybe that's been you before. You have gained clarity on who God is by seeing him showcased through other people's suffering. This is the beauty at work, but it's not only that, right? Because there's another part of people, there's a whole nother group that have been encouraged, that have been given this courageous boldness. I am the man that I am because I have been surrounded by people who have suffered and positioned it for God's glory. That they've allowed their suffering to serve a greater purpose. And been, they've been vulnerable through it. And it's because of that. That their chains of suffering have actually broken my chains of insecurity. That I've learned this boldness in my faith. I've learned this confidence in who I am in Christ. Because I've watched them work through their suffering. I've watched them position it. I've watched them designate every heartache for the glory of God. And that has emboldened me, given me such courage. And there are people all around you who need the same. Glory Church, I cannot think of how unstoppable our city would be if we would stop pretending to be good, stop putting on those fake fake smiles and actually owned our chains, yet still praised in it. That people saw that our suffering, our stories have actually been for the sake of something more than selfish ambition or more pain and more heartache, but it's been for something life-giving and joyful Yet still, I need to learn some yet still, to mourn, yet still praise, to grieve, yet still praise, to have no answers at all, yet still praise, to be found in the darkness, yet still praise, to be in an unknown, to have very little, yet still praise, to have a loss of this, of job, of loss of answers, to have a loss of purpose, yet still praise. Again and again and again, we see Paul do that, yet still praise. To be in pain, yet still praise. To feel obsolete and little, yet still praise. But Glory Church, those of you watching right now, if you are there and are struggling to transition from feeling the suffering and positioning it and allowing yourself to praise and getting to that place of surrender, know that you are in good hands, You are surrounded by a church who also has struggled to yet still praise at times. And so I want to open up the virtual altar right now and allow you an opportunity to get some prayer. If we were in person, I would bring up people that would pray with you, people who care about you, who would walk this life with you. And in fact, we have that virtually. We have some hosts who are ready to answer. If you click request prayer, or we have some people who are ready. If you message us or text this a number to us, that, that 816-379-3379 number, it, whatever you do, whatever way is the best, we have people who can come and be with you in this, who will pray with you, who will walk this road of suffering with you and will help mourn with you as we transition into that yet still praise place. But what I also know is that the times when it has been hard for me personally to yet still praise, there has been a section uh, of the Bible that has always stood out to me. It is found in Second Corinthians chapter four, and this is not because I'm a pastor. No, I have, I have I have mourned through this section. If you know anything about me, this is the part in the in my Bible that is probably the most written and circled and underlined uh, is chapter four of Second Corinthians, where Paul is. Paul, right? Uh, Again, he's talking about this metaphor of us being jars of clay. You know that, that story, that part? He says that we are jars of clay and we have this unsurpassing power within us. The glory of God is found in us. We are vessels of his glory. But then he says that he has been hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. You know that section where he says, we've been persecuted, but not abandoned. We have experienced a striking down that should destroy us, but our hope is not destroyed. Our faith is not destroyed. And each and every time he says, but not. And I think as we get into this, it is the but nots that allow us to yet still praise. That there, even in your now, there are some but nots that God is wanting to instill in you to remind you that He has his power in you that the grace that you have is that though the suffering is bad, it's not as bad as it should be because there is an unsurpassing power within you allowing you to have that but not. So this morning, Glory Church, let's own those. And yet still, right? Let's, let's yet still praise. As we close this morning, I just want to pray over you because where you are, I, I realize that there are some memories that could come up. There are some feelings that you'll never experience this. There are some lies uh, telling you that that's, that joy is not something that you can have. And I just want to call those out. I just want to push those where they should be, out of the rain, out of those guardrails of faith. So God, right now we pray just for an absence of fear. I pray for faith to to be found in their homes where they're at right now. If they're watching uh, this in in time, in real time on Sunday, where they're listening in a car, whatever it may be, God, I pray right now for a faith that will build in them the courage to keep going, where they are able, uh, each of us are able to put guardrails out, positioning our suffering for your name's sake. God, that, that we can provide clarity to people around us, that through us designating our pain for your glory, that other people will begin to ask questions that their worldviews will be shaken, that maybe they will see you in your church like never before. And God, I just pray that we could all be encouraged by the suffering and faith-filled journey of others, those around us, that this world in a time like this and in quarantine can see the church and gain clarity on who you are that Christians all around would be encouraged by your people suffering for your sake and that there would be such courageous and bold actions for your glory, God, in your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.